Welcome to Insights on Demand, a podcast from Business Talent Group, where we discuss the latest developments in the future of work and other pressing business issues. Today, we're excited to present a conversation between Jennifer Napier, BTG's Chief Marketing Officer, and Sandra Penavaya, BTG's Chief Knowledge and Innovation Officer and a true thought leader on the future of work. Sandra leads BTG's business innovation work, building and nurturing key channel partnerships and enterprise relationships with top clients. She brings over 25 years of experience as a business leader, management consultant, and trusted advisor. Sandra has been with BTG since its launch, focusing on client innovation and transforming the way clients access high-end independent talent. Sandra joins us today to talk about a few of the biggest leadership and resourcing trends shaping organizations today. Without further ado, here are Jennifer and Sandra. Hi, Sandra. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Hey, Jen. It's great to be here. This is going to be fun. So let's let's start off with what seems to be in everyone's mind right now, hiring. Uh, we're hearing that uh, many companies across a range of industries just can't seem to hire fast enough. What, what do you recommend that organizations do if they need skills and, and roles filled in what is proving to be a really tight labor market? What, what do you recommend? Well, you're totally right. It is suddenly a very, very tight labor market. Um, and it's fascinating how fast it changed. Uh, it was literally only a couple of months ago where companies were still um, uh, you know, dealing with very high levels of uncertainty and unwilling to uh, commit to um, uh, permanent hires in some ways and um, re to restart certain initiatives. So things have changed very, very quickly. And what we're seeing now across almost all industries is a drastic reopening of permanent hiring, the reinitiation of major um, change efforts, um, and just, wow, the floodgates are open. So it's true. Uh, we are having clients tell us, um, large and small, that they're back in the market trying to hire all the way from the factory floor up to the C-suite. Um, and they're trying to hire for at least two reasons. Uh, one is to accommodate the um, rapid growth uh, that is happening as the economy recovers. Um, but also they're trying to hire in order to take advantage of um, some of the structural changes that have happened uh, as a result of the last year uh, of the pandemic, changes in customer behavior, changes in uh, product offerings. And so there's both a recovery and a, uh, a sort of modernization or updating of businesses that's going on, which is uh, challenging companies to bring in new kinds of skills in new proportion um, uh, into the company. So um, we are seeing this, you know, our colleagues on the permanent search side of the business are seeing this in the form of unprecedented levels of, um, uh, of, of new permanent hires going on. Um, and we at BTG are seeing this in terms of unprecedented levels of uh, demand for on-demand talent, um, freelancers being placed into companies. So uh, I, I think the recommendation um, that we would have about uh, this moment is that um, companies can accelerate this hiring challenge by turning to on-demand talent, by bringing in people immediately to bridge to the permanent um, hires and to, you know, 
have the skills that they need at hand immediately um, as part of their acceleration strategy. I like what you said about the, the two vectors that it's it's accommodating the rapid growth as the economy recovers, but also to take advantage of structural changes. That's really an interesting way to think about it. Are there are there particular skills or roles that are most in demand, but particularly when you're thinking about those two vectors? What what are you hearing? Well, I guess on that one, I'd probably break it into two segments: um, sort of smaller and mid cap companies versus large corporations. On the smaller and mid-cap company side, um, there's just no question. The the, uh, demand is for primarily HR and um, finance talent that allows companies to scale to the next level of uh, sophistication, of capacity. Um, And uh, so a lot of companies have been getting by, for example, with a head of HR who's been sort of doing the basics But as they're looking to literally double or triple in size over the next year, um, they need to create a a, a whole function, an HR function that A, can grow that fast and B, can really build the infrastructure uh, to support the organization going uh, going ahead. So um, bringing in really skilled people on demand in order to um, create, for example, uh, online hiring processes for factory workers um, to build out um, policies and culture change that will support uh, the integration of several acquisitions. So huge amounts of accelerating the um, maturity of some of these companies, taking the business to the next level. Uh, and the same is true on the finance side and, and increasingly on the IT or, or um, uh, information side of, the, of these smaller and mid-cap businesses. Uh, in contrast, I think the major corporation world, we continue to see very strong demand for uh, unbundled management consultants. But really what's happening inside the big companies is the resumption of important strategic initiatives the implementation and execution of strategic initiatives, some of which were paused during the pandemic and others were started, but now need to be rapidly brought to completion um, because there's just so much else going on. So on the corporate side, we're seeing a lot of demand for what I'd call very skilled high-end strategic initiative leaders or project managers who can help with uh, product launches. They can help with supply chain Uh, restructuring that's been ongoing now for a year, getting that completed, and really transforming businesses for the new era. Okay, so you're saying they mid-cap, HR finance, some IT, and really in the large corporations, it's it's those PMs that can really fuel the key initiatives. Yeah, I I like to think of it as kind of the grease between the gears in the corporate (laughs) side. Um, where you've got terrific assets in the company. You may also be working with top consulting firms, and yet there are still um, gaps and places to knit together all of the resourcing that's being applied to some of the change and transformation that these companies are are, are undergoing. Um, You know, for example, we have a a client that's a major North American uh, grocery chain, which a year ago and had to become overnight, really an online business. Um, you know, obviously they have still have grocery stores with milk on the shelves, but also had to stand up the ability to be 
able to serve customers online. That transformation started with a bang last year in, in the pandemic and is, you know, continuing and needs to be sort of brought to a full completion. So every, you know, it's not hard to imagine why this is, this is challenging. So there's in-house teams, there's consultants involved, and even so, they needed the on-demand talent, the expertise that was there to come in and play these temporary roles that are so critical to completing that transformation. You said grease between the gears. That's a fun one. Um, okay, so we're, we've talked about skills and role gaps, but uh, I have seen organizations who who need help translating skills and, and roles to projects. How do you recommend turning those needs into defined projects that where you can really leverage on-demand talent? Well, the simplest um, advice I offer clients probably four or five times a day is, you know, embrace the short term. You know, this is the, this is the trick to unlocking some of the talent needs uh, out there. Um, that if you can focus just on the work that needs to be done in the next, let's call it three months, the next quarter, um, you are suddenly liberated from the long list of, um, you know, must-haves and nice-to-haves for the permanent long-term position. Um, and this allows you to over-index on what really is critical to the work that needs to be done immediately and uh, sort of chunk it out a little bit. So instead of pull everything into a one-and-done permanent hire, uh, the first thing to do is very simple. It's literally to say, what aspect of work stream or this function or this job description that I'm looking at here, what aspects of it really are must-haves for the next three months versus what am I going to need six months from now and beyond? And when clients can do that, they literally feel relief. They feel liberated um, and can focus just on bringing in uh, what is needed now with confidence that they can get what's needed later, later. Um, so this is, I think, the definition of agility with a lowercase a. It's about being able to break things apart and um, move quickly and confidently from priority to priority. So that's the first thing that I would recommend in sort of trying to projectize work in, in a way that's different. And everybody knows how easy it is to add on to a job description or add on to your worries and uh, criteria for major initiatives, that laundry list can get pretty long, pretty quickly. And so when we say to clients, well, let's, let's actually try and simplify. Let's, let's just look at what do you need before Labor Day? Um, it, gets, it gets a lot easier. Uh, so I love that part of this job because it is about making it better for clients. We also give advice to... Um, uh, companies to to just break off pieces of work that are sitting on their desk. Uh, executives who have work sitting on their desk that they just can't get to, but it's bugging them. They know it has to be done. Every day they get up and they're feeling worse and worse because they haven't been able to give this particular project that's sitting on their desk enough time and attention. 
Um, and if you can carve that off and say, you know what, if I just had a clone of myself or if I just had a specialist in this particular thing who could take this off my plate for six weeks and just do it, it would make all the difference in the world. And so that is a very practical <laughs> suggestion <laughs> to busy executives. What is nagging you at night that's sitting on your desk that's not getting enough attention? How can I turn that into a project and bring in someone just to help me with that? I think a great example of that recently um, is with a, a major asset management company where the senior executive literally was saying, I know I have to get to this comp and benefits um, issue that I have. Um, I am behind on embracing this issue. Um, I just, if I could just lift it off my desk and give it to someone else to, to advance it to this point, I would be so grateful. And in that case, we were able to drop in a comp and benefits person on a special project, not as a formal interim head of comp and benefits, but literally just to push this project forward um, analytically and in terms of the vendor relationships, um, you know, for a couple of months, again, providing immediate relief uh, to the client. So those are two examples of projectizing. Focus just on the short term and secondly, kind of, lift stuff off your desk that's been sitting there and not getting the attention it needs. You brought up a little agility um, and this idea of providing relief and, and owning yourself. This feels a lot like we're moving into business and talent strategy, um, you know, building agility and resilience and flexibility into the organization for growth. Tell me where on-demand talent fits into that overall business and talent strategy. If I can make it really simple, it's a new talent acquisition channel that for the most part, companies, major corporations have been slow to adopt at an enterprise level. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of our experiences with real line managers um, who see the value, have immediate needs, but have a hard time translating this through the traditional HR function who um, you know, uh, is trained and expert at turning everything into uh, a permanent hiring uh, situation. So I think the opportunity for businesses is to recognize that this is really real, that it's been tested now for almost 15 years. In actuality, and, and being a little bit provocative here, um, in many ways, they have been late to adopt this at the senior levels. There's some movements at the outsourced task levels to use the human cloud and to use platforms to um, offload work to others outside of the company. But at the senior levels of business, at the management tiers, um, at the leadership levels, um, we, we see a lot of uh, sort of mystifying hesitancy from talent leaders to embrace this, uh, this channel of talent. Um, and it's a shame because not only is the quality of the talent fantastic, but as we've kind of been talking about the business benefits of being able to move more quickly, de-risk situations, experiment with new roles, um, and generally accelerate your uh, objectives because you can really bring people on in a couple of days only for as long as needed. Um, those are powerful business value propositions. 
And um, what we are seeing now is a rapid uh, change in posture um, from even a year ago where talent acquisition heads and CHROs are starting to recognize that this is not just future of work, but this is a solution to immediate pain points in the business um, and a really valuable tool for their business partners and leaders who are all feeling incredibly overworked and stretched in, in this recovery. So if this is really about the business benefits of moving more quickly, de-risking and accelerating objectives, and how do you compartmentalize the ways that on-demand talent um, should be and could be used within an organization? Oh, well, that's a fun question to ask a management consultant. Um, <laughs> so I, I think there's... <laughs> that's why I did it, Sandra. Um, uh, well, of course, the right answer is there are three ways. <laughs> Let's see. I, Do you want to draw? Can you draw this on the podcast? I would like to. Can you have a whiteboard here? Uh, uh, audio whiteboard. We need one of those. Um, so, like, I, look, I think, you know, a lot of people, when they think about on-demand executives, um, they they default to interim executives, the formal interim executive role. You know, I've got a gap. I'm going to market. I'm trying to hire a permanent person, fill in the blank. You know, it's a, a permanent head of pharmacovigilance for a pharmaceutical company. It's a, um, a permanent uh, chief information security officer. What, you know, fill in the blank. And I have a gap. And so I, wanna, I want a version of that now as an interim. And it's true, that is something that um, on-demand talent can do. But I think uh, that's only the beginning, right? So uh, yeah, we should be able to do interim placements, not only at the C-suite, but down at the functional levels. Um, and in a major corporation, you might think about that all the way through the L2, L3, L4 layers of the, uh, of the organization, or roughly equivalent to, you know, um, uh, senior vice presidents, um, vice presidents, um, and maybe in major corp- some major corporations, um, you know, heads of um, functions or divisions with different titles. So that's the interim bucket, right? Um, but then I think there's these two other ways that really stand out in, in my mind. One is one that we haven't talked about so much in this, um, in this conversation so far, but it's it's around you know using some of the best management consultants in the world, unbundled from the traditional structures of a of a traditional management consultancy. So you know bringing in the small molecule team of heavy heavy hitters who have just the expertise that's needed, but they're geared at a smaller level, um, uh, uh, you know, to solve a a problem where perhaps the full force of an Accenture or a McKinsey isn't um, needed. Um, and so we see a lot of that going on right now. And it's a total, total solution for the smaller and mid-cap companies that traditionally can't afford and don't need the full bang solution from a big consulting firm. But even in major corporations, we see very high levels of demand um, for that as a you know the right-sized expert consulting for projects that are, you know, let's say less than a million dollars, where it's hard to get the attention of a big consultancy uh, to do those projects. So that's the second way. And then I guess the third way is in this category of what I'd call 
creative and special projects where it's neither interim nor consulting, but it's someone who's hands-on, who's coming in. And maybe that role is defined as temporary by design from the beginning. It's going to go away after this executive comes in and stands up the supply chain for PPE. You know, once that's stood up, the ongoing supply chain team can, um, can, can run it, but we needed an executive to come stand it up, not to advise on it, not to be the interim chief supply chain officer, but just to come in and put their hands on the situation and fix it. Um, so there's a whole range of those kind of special creative projects that we can structure uh, together with on-demand talent um, to meet different business situations. Do you see that as a growing opportunity, this idea of scrambling to stand up a business or a function? Maybe maybe it's because you're, you're in the middle of a transformation or there's a new opportunity, but do you see that happening more and more? Well, I have been astonished. Uh, I mean, everybody's talking about SPACs this year, so I guess I might as well as well. Um, you know, the number of conversations that we've had recently where a company is saying, you know, we are going to go public through a SPAC or through an IPO in the next X months, two months, four months, nine months. You know, nobody's talking about waiting more than that at this point. Um, but they're like, you know, we have got to be ready um, to basically stand up a whole new level of business, right? And sometimes that is a new business unit or sometimes it's a new function. We have got to do it almost overnight in order to meet the demands of uh, being a public company. Um, in addition, we see as a result of uh, the disruptions of COVID, so many really interesting new businesses just taking off. You know, earlier this week, I was talking with a company that literally had a million dollars of sales in 2019, had $10 million of sales in 2020, and ex is expecting $100 million in sales um, in 2021, right? I mean, that is almost exponential growth. And in order to do that, um, you know, they have to stand up so much. There are different product lines. There are different um, go-to-market models, call that business units there are um, new functions in the organization. So yeah, I think there's a ton of, of that going on right now. Um, and then in the major corporate side, we continue to see companies doing really interesting things. You know, businesses that have information, trying to monetize those and stand, uh, stand up a business unit that is about monetizing the information that, uh, you know, asset that they've built from the core business. And uh, based on uh, the, the customer marketplace, their own pace of um, willingness to invest in, in this business standup, they recognized that because of on-demand talent, they could play out the line a little bit. They could get started. They could start building some of the key pieces of it. They could explore and test while they were building all without having to um, commit either the uh, to the skill profile or the um, uh, compensation package for some key executives before they were ready. They could avoid having to commit to that too early in the process. And so this moved, uh, allowed the company to move actually faster um, in their pilot and test phase, transition very quickly into the um, early stage of operations simultaneous with going to market to um, bring on the permanent executives for these roles, and then um, transition beyond that to the permanent state where 
uh, where a lot had been defined and they were able to index the skill set for the permanent hires in a way a little bit more towards the um, build and grow dimension rather than the initial explore and stand up dimension. Uh, so I think it accelerated things enormously in terms of the actual launch. It also de-risked the launch and the hires in the uh, both the launch itself and the uh, permanent hires that they made. Or here's the other one. I've, we've seen a huge number of, of clients recently that have traditionally been B2B, um, standing up B2C businesses, um, in some cases, even preparing to um, carve those out and uh, spin them off. Um, and so uh, one client said to me, well, we, we're ready to go on this business, but it's like we've carved, we've carved out a business that has no arms and legs. It doesn't have any of the corporate functions. It needs to stand up all of the corporate functions around um, the core uh, product offering. So I, I think there's a lot of that happening right now and no signs of it abating anytime soon. And, and for all of those, do you see, do you see on-demand talent interim leaders as a, as a way to go? Um, what's, what's your advice? Well, um, you know, I think it's tricky. I, you know, the, um, I think probably the universal answer is, of course, of course you need both. Of course you need permanent people who are going to ride through the transition um, and uh, who believe in the vision and are going to be working toward that vision now in the immediate term, in the midterm and long term. Of course you need that. Um, but there are going to be pieces of that that are either not possible to get fast enough or that it might make sense to experiment with and accelerate by bringing in sooner. So I think it's a both and strategy. Yes, make permanent hires. Yes, use traditional advisory resources through consultancies and specialized um, business firms. But, but also go back to that grease between the gears comment and think about on-demand talent as a, a, a really necessary component of the machine. I want to go back to interim because I have heard you talk about the fact that, that the idea of interim leadership has really changed and expanded over time. And I, I'd like to understand a little bit more about what, what that means and, and how the concept has evolved. I, I'm not the best historian on this, but what I will say is that we know that the interim executive marketplace is quite mature in areas around the globe that are outside of the U.S. So, for example, in Europe, for a variety of reasons, the interim executive world, it exists in, primarily as semi-locally based boutiques that are um, matchmakers to retired executives who might go in and, um, you know, be a steady hand on the rudder in a number of situations. So if you're in Italy and you need a temporary chief operating officer because you've had a sudden departure, there are boutiques who can sometimes offer a solution. Um, interestingly, in the U.S., we don't have a mature interim executive marketplace. Because of our labor laws, et cetera, it, it just hasn't emerged as a, as a, uh, as a service category. And, um, and so here in the U.S., there's a couple of myths that I guess I would suggest trying to dispel 
Um, one is that interim execs means C-suite. Um, you know, in reality, it, it can be much deeper in the organization than just an interim CEO or an interim CFO. Um, it's about, as I said earlier, bringing in folks that are leaders and management level people um, down several layers in the organization. So that's one myth that I would dispel. Um, the second one, which is interesting, is that, you know, it's not a mini version of the permanent hire. It's not, we like to say, it's not magic. It's not like we can do a um, fast search um, and drop in the perfect long-term person who's an exact clone of the executive who left. Um, it, it is an opportunity. And in fact, I would argue a, you know, a serious strategic advantage to think about the gap as the chance to do something different and better. Um, that's focused in a really serious way on the short term. So I think we want to move beyond interim execs as sort of steady hand on the rudder to, okay, you have a gap. Maybe that's actually an opportunity to approach the situation quite differently and over-index on some skills, some priorities, um, in order to make the best use of the crisis, essentially. As we talk about leadership, um, I've also heard you talk a lot about um, leadership liquidity. So what is it, um, it, it and why should executives care? Well, it's interesting. I think um, change is the only constant at this point. I mean, it's, sorry, it's like trotting out an old trope, but um, you know, the, the pace at which businesses are evolving has never been faster, right? I think we, everyone would just agree with that. And there are ultimately limitations to humans' capability to deliver against constant levels of change, right? And so while you're going to have the, um, the, the sort of strong leadership team that you're developing, that you're planning on succession, you know, this is not suggesting that that's not important. Let me just be really clear. That's always going to be important. And yet... And yet on top of that, um, the number of things that happen that are unforeseen or that are opportunities that emerge, especially right now coming out of a pandemic crisis um, where there are competitive opportunities that emerge, there are customer opportunities, there's acquisition opportunities that emerge. All of this demands a level of responsiveness um, throughout the organization that a lot has been written about down in the more of the, you know, the bowels of the organization, you know, how you are more agile in creating teams in the, um, in the organization, how you um, in some cases deal with the staffing industry differently. Um, so companies look at this from both a cost and, uh, and a change basis kind of below the leadership levels, but they've never looked at it all the way up to the top. So I, I think what we're really talking about is, um, you know, the idea that you can start to match um, the, the uh, company's uh, changeability, um, <laughs> you know, at more uh, holistically across the organization with the opportunity or the threat that's, uh, that's immediately at hand. Um, so, 
So when you when you start to see companies needing to, um, you know, everybody's been talking about digital transformation for a very long time. And of course, you have to build that out with permanent hires in lots of different functions. People have been talking about that with regard to um, data analytics and uh, the, you know, where does, where does, how does that change the business uh, and what do you need to invest in long-term to have the right skills in-house and the right um, uh, priority uh, in the business. And yet on top of all of that, there are going to be things that happen in businesses that require additional levels of leadership and um, changeability without abandoning other things. So it just becomes this, um, Again, more more modern uh, organizational uh, capacity to respond to the realities of business today. That's leadership liquidity, not replacing. It's just um, enhancing the the permanent leadership team. So, Sandra, you you had mentioned um, a, a couple of times now about seizing on the opportunities that there um, that because of what has happened over the last fifteen months. Consumers are changing their behavior um, in a number of different ways. Organizations are changing their supply chains. I'd, I'd love to hear an example that you have encountered um, where a leadership team or an organization has really seized upon an opportunity and a change in consumer taste and rapidly. So this is kind of leadership liquidity in action, right? One example that comes to mind is uh, with a major um, food and beverage client you know, Fortune 100 food and beverage client, where because all of a sudden everybody was eating breakfast at home, <laughs> it really changed demand um, for uh, some of the legacy breakfast products um, that the company had. And um, there was, you know, already stress and strain on the business, but they needed someone in the midst of everything that was going on to come and really focus um, on the opportunity created by the fact that now the entire world was eating breakfast at home. And so how would they take advantage of this sudden and completely unforeseen spike in demand for um, a category, a legacy category that had been kind of coasting along? Um, and so there they created a, you know, a special SEAL team of operators. There was not time to be, you know, doing strategy and, you know, uh, around how to revive this brand. It was about pulling it together really, really quickly um, to take advantage of the opportunity and to make sure that not only the marketing and the uh, you know, front end, the commercial opportunity was satisfied, but that the back end uh, supply chain was able to um, meet that demand as well. So that was a, you know, was a real live example of suddenly there's an opportunity in front of you where you may want to redirect some of your internal resources, but even that may not be enough because um, you've been running lean and you just need to bring in the expertise that can help um, help seize that opportunity. Um, you know, I think right now it, there's just been so many examples of this happening as a result of unprecedented levels of change in consumer behavior, you know, brought about by this, uh, this uh, pandemic and economic crisis on top of what has been structurally just an incredibly profound change with regard to digitization and digital you know, sort of IQ everywhere. Um, so businesses becoming more direct to consumer. We have industrial clients looking at things like customer loyalty programs for the first time. Um, we have um, financial services carving out wildly different kinds of products that are direct to consumer. 
And all of this is, is sort of uh, icing on the cake. You know, the companies did not resource expecting those opportunities to be uh, presenting themselves. And so using that sort of um, special SEAL team to go after these opportunities is another trend that's just very, very real right now. I like that, a, a SEAL team or a special team to tackle a problem. Exactly. Also, and, and, yeah, yeah, and it's a SEAL team where you're, where you're, you're you know, you're borrowing that talent from outside often, from outside your industry even. If, you, if you're a, you know, a, a traditional industrial company that doesn't have any customer loyalty experience, like it's, it's just such a cool idea to bring that in from the hotel industry or from the airline industry and, and to think about how to translate it into an opportunity um, you know, immediately uh, without committing to a long-term hire in that, in that area. So it's, it's, it's not just the resourcing level, it's like the chance to really creatively compose that SEAL team with just uh-huh. the special ops that you need, just the special operations folks that are, are really gonna uh, add to the mix. And do you think that there's an, an opportunity there also to experiment or to innovate? Is it really about just a problem or, or some experimentation with a role or a team? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's just no question. I mean, you know, the, um, the way in which um, healthcare is evolving right now, for example, is and has been for, for <laughs> you know, going on 20 years now, just continual level of innovation. Um, but just in the last week, I've talked to a, a couple of clients, one that comes from an intr- traditional insurance, um, health insurance background, and one that is more of a, uh, a primary care online startup, where the moment is presenting itself as just a wildly different opportunity. How do you look at um, you know, doing and ensuring healthcare in yet another wildly different way as a result of the changes that have happened? Um, so um, yeah, I think it's, it's very opportunity rich and um, it's, about, it's about growth. It's not about, it's not about just you know, trying to, to drive savings and EBITDA. It's so refreshing that we're talking about growth, right? And not about uncertainty. Oh, <laughs> like absolutely. the last 15 months have all been uncertainty. And now we're actually talking about growth again, which is, oh, so it feels so, so liberating, right? I, it is totally liberating. It really <laughs> is. And I think it's going to be wildly interesting as we get to the back half of this year, because, you know, uh, we know that there's so many um, permanent searches out there right now. That all the recruiting firms are reporting r- record high numbers. It'll be really interesting to see how it goes as those are filled, if they can be filled. Are people really going to be as, you know, willing to pick up and and move and and take on uh, new roles? How many more people are going to want to be working from home and and maybe embrace uh, embrace a different way of working? I, I think this is all going to play out in really profound ways, um, and it's not going to be a snap back to the pre-pandemic. Um, ways of working um, for individuals or for companies. So um, I guess in closing, one of the things I would just throw out there, Jen, and I don't know what you think, but it's like almost the time has come really for on-demand talent to emerge from the haze of its future of work like to, holy cow, this is really here. It's here in a way that's not just quantity, but it's here because business demands it. It's that the level of change, the set of opportunities that present itself, the 
scarcity of some forms of talent, it all demands that companies think more creatively about resourcing at the leadership level and embracing the ability to move more quickly. Well, Sandra, I could not come up with a better close than that. So <laughs> with that, um, I just want to say thank you so much for your time today, Sandra. It is so much fun for us to get together and, and chat. Um, so it has been just a delight. So thank you so much. Well, thanks, Jen. This was really fun. And the only thing I'm sad about is we didn't get to the horse and the narwhal example. Well, so, let's do that right uh, now. Horse and, horse and narwhal. Horse and narwhal. What is that story? <laughs> Uh, oh, sorry, we've had some good laughs about this, but I actually think it's uh, I actually think it's not a bad visual to give people. Um, you know, everyone knows about the proverbial purple unicorn when uh, folks want a perfect solution of someone who you know of whom there exists you know exactly one in the world of this incredibly magical purple unicorn talent that combines all of the best features uh, needed in the industry experience, their functional experience, where they're located, you know, the color of their hair, it just goes on and on. Um, so those purple unicorns, we, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a labored analogy, but we try to break those down all the time uh, so that we can be pragmatic and we can deliver on it. And, and we try to break them literally into horses and narwhals where we say, Okay, so for this part of this person's role, it, would a horse do? And you know, by the way, here are some three three really nice examples of um, of terrific talent who can do this piece of this role or the, attack this part of this problem or opportunity. And then we save the part with the unicorn horn for the narwhal who maybe comes in on a uh, limited basis, bringing particular areas of expertise or emphasis to the solution. And so you are able to take the impossible and turn it into something that is doable. And by the way, may also have savings associated with it. So that's my, that's my um, somewhat um, fanciful uh, analogy. And I think the more companies can try and do that and let go of visions of purple unicorns coming into their organization with a one and done kind of magical resume, um, the faster they'll be able to move. So I don't know, is it bad? You can give me three stars out of that on that out of five. <laughs> I like it. Horses, narwhals, impossible, doable with the savings. I mean, it's, it's perfect. Thank you, Sandra. All <laughs> right. You, well, Sandra. all right. Have a good one. As a reminder, I am Jennifer Napier for BTG Insights On Demand. And today we've been talking with BTG's Chief Knowledge and Innovation Officer and Future of Work Thought Leader, Sandra Pinavaya. You could read more of Sandra's thoughts on the role of on-demand talent and interim executives on the BTG blog. To start a project with one of thousands of independent talent and interim leaders with today's most in-demand skills, visit businesstalentgroup.com. Thanks for listening.